core. Core. You are listening to Core, a show on Code Zero Radio that plays bands located in the Fox Cities. The show to find and discover new music. Hosted by Andy McNamara. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Fox City's Core on WCZR Code Zero Radio. If this is your first time tuning in, WCZR is a internet streaming station. We feature just a ton of Fox City's artists and artists from all over Wisconsin mixed in with your favorite mainstream music. If you haven't checked it out, listen around the world. I go to live.codezeroradio.com, ask for it on TuneIn, Get Me Radio, just lots of different ways to listen. Cousin Arthur is a singer and a piano rocker based in Appleton, Wisconsin. His debut album was released earlier this year under the Boy Howdy Productions record label. The album is called Gut Feeling. I'd like to welcome Arthur Busher to Fox City's core on WCZR Code Zero Radio. Arthur, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. You nailed the pronunciation there, Andy. I had to write it down phonetically, however, you know, I've got it spelled wrong, but I wanted to make sure I didn't screw that up. Yeah, and people will goof that up, so I said, just call me Cousin Arthur. (laughs) A lot of people remember that. (laughs) Well, let's start with the obvious. So why do you go by the name Cousin Arthur? Cousin Arthur is, there's, it's like a little bit of a joke to myself and I like to make myself laugh, but it's a joke about like people pretending to know you just that little bit better than they actually do, especially if you have something to offer. And I'm, I don't know, I think I'm pretty cool. So people are like, oh, that's my, that's my cousin, especially where from where I came from, people would just say that. Hey, hey, cousin, like, I need something. Cousin, give me a ride. Cousin this. And it's like, they're like, I, I held you when you were a baby. You know, it's like, I don't remember that, but you're probably not wrong. I got a lot of cousins. <laughs> you're fairly new on the Appleton scene. Well, when I say fairly new, within the last couple within, of years. Within the last year or so. And then that moniker further got solidified when I started working with Boy Howdy. Um, Riley Crow, the the executive producer of the Boy Howdy Productions label, and that's my actual cousin. My 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 mama is his auntie, so that's blood right there. And he started working with me some songs, and then that turned into a couple more songs. And so yeah, I moved April last year, but we were recording a couple years before that already. I was just bouncing back and forth from uh, Shawano County up in Gresham and I was coming to Appleton for like a day at a time we'd put in these 10 12 hour days just like working on songs eating tacos having a good one and then after a while I was like this community's cool I want to like get closer to it and met a lot of cool people since what's well, uh let's back up to the beginnings I think I read somewhere that you didn't start playing music until you got a piano or were you playing before that lifelong interest in music for sure I was like in band and choir when I was in school um I had I started writing songs, or like I think I wrote my first one when I was like 14 or 15 or something like that, and that's one of these, I think some of those actually ended up on the record, like Easy and Through, I wrote those when I was in high school, but um, that I didn't have any like really, really awesome instruments, I was crazy prideful of, ones that I'd bring up on a stage, plug in and perform with, and then when I got this little like, I think it was a Lowry Genie something it had the foot pedals to play bass notes it had these two key beds i i was just like this is cool i don't care if it's heavy and awkward and lunky like people bring pianos around but i'm gonna bring this organ and i'm gonna rock with my songs on it so that's what like i said what gave me the confidence to start sharing the songs is that cool keyboard <laughs> it's interesting because like a lot of the musicians you hear it's like they got their first instrument was like an acoustic guitar or something and, and you got the piano I had like, yeah, a little Yamaha or whatever. It wasn't touch sensitive. It was like it had some keys busted and stuff like that. I inherited it just like everything, you know. But then when I got one of that organ, and it gave me the passion to keep collecting and keep like getting instruments that I was really prideful of having in front of me and showing off along with the songs. And you just started writing songs with in, in mind that you were going to be like a one person kind of band. It wasn't like, hey, let's get a a bunch of people together and let's start a band this was you writing songs on your own yeah the writing on my own for sure it wasn't like a collaborative thing or even something that i was too intent on sharing with anybody right away because they were like corny little love songs i wrote as a teenager getting over those first feelings but then obviously when you start uh making demos by yourself and you're like I don't need the help but i really want it because i'm like i said i'm bouncing back and forth to appleton i'm bumping into 
other creatives who I'm like, man, it'd be really cool to get them to help on it and be really cool to like get some more collaboration in this. And I guess I never intended to be alone the whole ride. It's a lot more fun when you share. Well, you had a, obviously a musical family as well with Riley. You mentioned Riley and you've got Jake and Luke and just a lot of, a lot of Crow brothers that are very into music. Yeah. We were like, like I said, blood cousins. So we would be bumping into each other at like Christmas and stuff like that. And I just always looked up to them as them being near at the youngest six, seven years older than me. I was like, wow, these guys are cool. They're always bringing acoustic guitars to every family get together. Like they were definitely an inspiration to just like follow a creative path. And then when I got to be an adult and like, I stopped being so sheepish with these little songs that I wrote, then we developed a big, a larger relationship. It's like, Artie, you make songs like I have a studio space. Come show me a song or two. And then, you know, so when the family would get together for holidays, was it unusual for the Crow brothers to maybe whip out some instruments and perform? Or it, it was never it? like, a, okay, everybody sit down and watch the boys. It was always like they're just fidgety. You know, they go into a different room and then they're like working on something they're already working on. They're like riffing off each other. They're just creatives. It just flows out of them. So it was just like you bring a guitar with, you know. Do you remember the first song that you wrote? The first song I wrote, uh, I, it's probably on the internet somewhere, like in some stream I did, or like, but yeah, I wrote it when I was like, maybe even, yeah, 14, 15 years old, and it was just, it was a song called Remember, and it was like telling myself that you've got a really far way to go, and no matter how far you go, remember where you started, which is kind of a fitting thing to write your first song about. It's like, I don't care where this takes you, but just remember that it wasn't always glamorous. I notice a lot of your songs are, are about like feelings and, and sort of like just introspective kind of searching. They, like, they got more so as I got older, like the, these first ones that are like surface level and you can pick out like, Oh, he was writing about a breakup or he's writing about like those ones. Yeah, I was a little kid writing about that. And then as I got older, 18, 19 years old, I'd performed a couple times and you start, I don't know, you start just thinking differently. You get to that age where you're going off to college in my case, and then it's life is changing and you are thinking about those changes and you got to express it somehow. And you mess, um, mentioned earlier, you came from Shono County. I lived in a place called Gresham. That's where I came from. Uh, but that is like right on the edge of Shawano County, like the north, west, kind of. Is that a smaller town? Gresham is tiny. It's uh, you, you said town, but it's technically a village. Okay. <laughs> so so that did, is the scope of it. How was the music scene in Gresham? Was there a music scene? Um, I wouldn't say non-existent, but... Um, Gresham there like there isn't a lot of places that you would definitively call a venue there's like there now there's this nice brewery they got a stage that they revamped there is um the bar called Classics that it's always booking acts uh like I, I met Ike or Ike Arumba there actually so like the more and more I started involving myself the more and more I realized it's like man you got to keep doing this you got to go to Green Bay you got to go to Appleton you got to go to Oshkosh you got to like just keep meeting people and having fun with this. It's more fun when you share. Um, Shano, yeah, I don't know. That was one of the motivations to kind of just leave after a while. Is like, there isn't a whole lot of places to play. They are nice places to play, but like, you have to be a, li a little more established. And that's something I respected. It's like, art, nobody knows who you are yet. <laughs> you can't just expect everybody to give you a shot just because you're really passionate. <laughs> when you started about... 2019 was that when you really started trying to ramp things up in terms of live performance and stuff like that yeah for sure um i saw you did a, a tiny desk uh, contest submission from 2019 very ambitious for sure like i you know give it a give it an intro you know um it was really well done if thank people want you. to see it they can still find thank it you they there. can yeah absolutely it's not that i'm not prideful of it but then i just like looking back at stuff like that because it's like dang I've been doing things for just a little bit and every time I do it, it gets better. So it's good to have those reminders still out there. Well, you also had on your Bandcamp page, I noticed there's three songs that appeared on Gut Feeling that you had released as demos in 2019. Yeah, they are in like demo format. So Riley didn't touch those or did was Riley involved with those original demos? No. Okay. That's, that's what, kind of what I love about those is because I'm like, man. I didn't really know what I was doing when I was doing this, but 
I kind of love it. It's awesome. But I've gotten a lot more or a lot better at creating demos and being able to show them to somebody who's going to potentially help me flesh them out. But like, yeah, I, I should do more of that. Like, cause I have demos like in my phone and stuff like that. It's like, these aren't all the way there, but it would be really funny to like, let somebody see them. And then when they show up on the album later in their studio form, it's like, damn, <laughs> excuse, excuse me. <laughs> Was it kind of a little stressful to put those first, or probably exciting to put those first few demos out? Uh, I had nothing to compare it to. <laughs> I didn't have other releases to compare it to. I was just like, and I, no fanfare, no pub, like, I don't know. I, I hyped them up a little bit just because it's like, hey, guys, like, you knew I was a musician, you know, I was in band and choir and stuff as a kid, but now I'm like an adult and I'm going to try to do a little bit more with that uh, interest that I have. So, like, my friends, my family, they take a look at it. It's got, like, the couple hundred listens, you know, typical stuff. But I, I like giving people that little insight to it. Yeah, and then it's kind of like you're official. I, I'm a musician. I've got stuff out. So and it's... then those people who looked at those first demos can be like, <laughs> man, Keepsake sounds so cool now. And it's like, thanks for sticking around, I guess. That's why when you mentioned that, I had to giggle a little bit. It's like, man, people don't <laughs> know about that. And I don't, you know, it's for better or for worse, you know. Well, then, boy, boy Howdy finds out about the the demos or he hears them and he says, Hey, cousin Arthur, I've got some, you know, some knowledge here that I can help you. Yeah. As I started putting more and more material online, just little pieces here and there, then he had an online presence as well. So he's seeing that in the periphery and he's like, Hey, if you write songs and you have a serious interest in it, like I'm producing for people, (laughs) I want to keep trying to produce for people. And now he's got myself and free dirt. He's got, yeah, he's building a repertoire artist under this production label that he's doing and very, very proud of the cousin. How, how was his recording style, his recording engineer style? Was he pretty laid back or was he sort of like, Arthur, maybe change this or do this? And being you're related to you, I'm sure he didn't like, he wasn't wearing the gloves when he was doing it. It was probably more direct because he that's knew you the, better. That's the funny thing is... Again, I don't really, I didn't really have anything to compare it to. I didn't know how he would work with other artists. I feel like he he was very patient with me because I didn't have the studio etiquette. I didn't have the know-how of like the headphones and the playback and the like when you're listening, like when I listen to things, I want to dance and I want to sing and stuff. But then it's like, no, yeah, if we're playing it back and we're listening to the intricacies of it, sit down and focus. So he'd, he'd give me that every once in a while. He'd be like, Arthur, stop singing. We're trying to listen to vocal parts. And I'm like, oh, sorry, I'm just enjoying music. <laughs> so like he's he, little, little pieces of etiquette he's teaching me. He taught me like um, I'm obviously a lot more efficient because of him now, like in terms of the recording process. But he's not like, corporate stickler like oh we got to get this stuff and this stuff done before four and then we'll take a break and then we can only take a half an hour on that break and blah. no it's like it was pretty free form and we we're you know we wouldn't be doing it if we weren't having fun we're having fun the whole way it's like we're making something new and no he was really really good to work with and i'm very uh thankful and blessed that i've learned so much through working with him well you also had he he played some stuff on the, the album as well as who were some of the other guest artists played some stuff yeah that guy <laughs> did the drums he did a bunch of guitar he did background vocals he did the production the mixing um just it was executively produced by boy howdy himself but um the other players on there i think i had eight people on there which is like a pretty good number i, I was very satisfied with that because some people yeah you got a huge number of people but um, from the area, I had Emily Simon. She did vocals on Keepsakes. We had Julia Blair, who lended her hand with the string parts for Just Say When. We had my friend Noelle Kayleen, uh, Kayleen Creative. She did ukulele and vocals in Happy Today. We had Jake Crow do all the horns you heard. Phenomenal. Oh, n- not all the horns. There was trumpets done by Hunter Crollo, a friend of mine from uh, school in Chano County back there. Um, Luke Crow did some rip and guitar parts, um, as well as some like flute and some auxiliary percussion with us. I'd need a copy of the album with me, but I know there was eight people that helped me with this. As these guest artists were contributing parts to the songs, did it just kind of make the song seem completely different or did it feel like it was more 
where you envisioned it being when you were writing the song, sounding more full with these additional parts? That's the really fun thing is, uh, I guess I didn't know how they would sound when you got collaborative with people. Like I knew where I obviously wanted to be, but then I'd leave this, I'd leave the studio, go back home where I was living at that point. And by the time I'd come back, boy, howdy had gone to work a little bit on this, on the stuff. He's like, Oh, I had my one friend step in the one day and they added this. And then you'd hear Luke's flute part on there. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, you've been busy while I was gone. This is cool. So it, even if it, there was that little moment of like, Oh, I don't know if I asked for that. Or it's like you immediately got over it. Cause it's like, that's way better than I could have done. Like, I'm not going to pick up a viola and like, so every collaboration that happened, I was very thankful for, and it just brought it to where it was. On the, the tiny desk concert submission, I noticed you were doing, and I, I don't know if, if you do this now because I haven't been lucky enough to be able to attend a cousin Arthur show. I know you've got some coming up. We'll talk about, but I noticed you were doing the percussion with your feet. <laughs> Are you, do you still do that? Oh yeah. I, I still do it, but like it's in now that I've been blessed enough to have those collaborators that are willing to step in here and there, I do a hell of a lot less of my own <laughs> percussion because that's it's mental capacity that you're trying to use while you're trying to remember words and have good posture for singing and you're trying to hit your chords and you're trying to play a bass part with your feet and then you're trying to drum with your foot and your left hand. So it was gimmicky and fun and really funny to get a video of it every once in a while. But like now that I have the resources to ha take on less of that load, it's, it, I do a lot less of it. I'd still do it. Like I, I busted out every once in a while, like farmer's market, stuff like that. Cause it's fun. What, what even gave you the idea where you thought, well, I'm going to try to get, you know, one of these kick drum things in a, what's it, a cajon or something? Or? It is a cajon. It's just a cajon <laughs> with a reversed, like, kick pedal on it so I get some bassiness out of it and then I'm slapping the the, the snare face thing with my hand but I, I don't know if I saw anybody do it and as I was like getting the idea to do this I, it was because of that organ I was like man I'm playing the bass parts and like these um these rhythm parts and melodies all by myself right now it'd be what if I they gotta make those like drum sets you play with your feet you know <laughs> And then that, I got a cajon, I got a foot pedal, and I started doing that. I didn't, like, even go down the rabbit hole far enough to, like, get, like, the farmer foot drum or whatever. Like, if you've seen those, they're out of Michigan. Those guys are cool. But the one-man band thing was just funny. It was like, I, it, how do I make as big of a sound as possible as one person? <laughs> and now that I have studio friends and stuff like that, it, like it's like, oh, it's easier to make that big sound seemingly by yourself. But you don't do it by yourself. When you play, you're not dragging that huge organ with you, are you? <laughs> no, no, not these days. I, I travel around with like a Yamaha stage keyboard. It's weighted keys, has a bunch of voices. It's, uh, if anybody cares, it's a Yamaha P515. Go check out your local Hyde music for one. But a lot lighter, a lot easier to use, less gimmicky. doesn't take two hands. It doesn't take two sets of hands, Gary. When we uh, had Julia Blair on the show, we talked about like instruments and specifically like vintage instruments, how they're so big and bulky. I mean, they last a long time, but they're just really hard to move. I would give what I'd give for a Rhodes piano. Cause every time I see a Julia Blair show, she's always playing a Fender Rhodes or something like it. And it's, I just love the tone. I love the portability of it. Even if it's less portable than maybe a modern version or whatever. It's like, no, I love that. So let's, we were talking about the doing the, the percussion with your feet and, and all that when you're yeah you're back doing when shows. I used to do the one man band thing uh, yeah shows were a lot less uh, the stakes were a lot lower you know like I was introducing people to me as as that one man band thing and that probably gained me an audience with some people and lost me an audience with some people and I just kind of recognized it's like you're either going to be into this weirdness or not <laughs> so how did the the tiny desk concert submission pan out did did it at least get you a little bit of attention from people that might not have been aware of you prior to that attaching the name mpr to the the video and stuff like that got that kind of attention so you get like a couple hundred visits of like the other uh the other people who are entering just like looking through all the submissions and they're like oh this is what other people are doing and so it got me that little bit but like nothing nothing that's lingered you know um it didn't, 
like place or didn't get like showcased or anything by NPR, but I thought it was cool production, good to have. And then the uh, the Gut Feeling album, mm-hmm. you played Mile Music this year, and the album came out after Mile Music, didn't it? Yep, because Mile was first week of August, and then the album came out August 26th. Was there an original push to have that done for Mile, so you'd have some product to sell at the, the festival? Uh, I think we both kind of knew that it would not be ready in time for the Mile. Cause we, we didn't make that kind of deadline. I think we, like made a deadline a deadline and i'm using air quotes for the audio listeners it's like three times it was like oh we'll release it by then and it's like okay yeah and then a couple months go by and then boy howdy goes on a tour and then you don't work in the studio for a second and then you come back and okay we'll have it done by this time and then another thing happens life keeps happening because we both got lives and then after a while i think i mentioned at some point i was like hey you know if it takes us all the way to the end of august to finish this that'll be three years that we have been working on this and he goes why what day what day do we start and i was like uh let me look in my memories here uh yeah 2019 or 2018 or whatever but it was august 26th and he's like let's release it that day so then we the next couple months we just made sure it was ready and got another music video done quick fast in a hurry and now we we were just prepared to play mile music and just introduce people to me and and if they were into it, now we got merch. <laughs> well, you did. You did two shows a mile. Yeah, we did two. Was were you a little nervous about being on that stage in, in front of that many people? I mean, there's there's always that little bit of anxiety, and it's just from you know you want to do a good job, and but at this point, I am confident in like my songs, and I'm more confident in my voice, and the ability to like the etiquette of it, getting set up, doing sound checks, stuff like that, and not being so. Uh, not being so sophomore-ish about but um, yeah I feel like I did a good job and I recognize that I'm providing something that literally nobody's not nobody that a bunch of people haven't seen before they're not going to know when you mess up they're not going they're just going to be like wow that kid's singing <laughs> so I wasn't I, I wasn't too nervous but obviously that is that little bit of you want to do a good job did you have a, a favorite memory from this year's mile music <sighs> a specific favorite memory i I don't know. I just had a really, really good time playing. I played the right behind Jim's place, like a uh, wooden nickel in that big courtyard. It was really good to have just a huge turnout of people who are there to appreciate music. That was my favorite part of it is just people who are have that very musical mindset. It's like we are here for the appreciation of original music. And that, that really felt good. Meeting a bunch of artists. Um, shout out Paisley Fields. We're doing a show with him next week. But just met a bunch of cool artists that we keep in touch with and good re good resources, good communities. Did you get a chance during the mile to go out and see your cousin's bands? As much as I could. <laughs> I, I work uh, coffee shop hours right now. So I would get out earliest, like early afternoon, two thirty, three, four sometimes. So I'd get to as many shows as I could if they weren't in the morning. So I got to see dusk. I went to go see, I think two boy howdy performances. I got to see a bunch of other artists that, oh yeah, I got. I think I saw at least one or two Julia Blair performances. She was doing a trio. Um, but yeah, meeting a whole bunch of new artists that it's like, okay, I got to follow so many people on Instagram now. I got to see what they're all about. That's That's really fun. I like that. Did you have to deal with any pushback being a new artist? Did you have people in the scene like, why do you get to play Mala Music? You know, I've been <laughs> playing for five, ten years, and, and I haven't been able to play it. Did you get any of that? If there was any, I didn't hear it. Uh, and that's something I, I never even thought. I guess I didn't think about it until you put it in my head right now, Andy. <laughs> like, I, I've been at music for five plus years and like i just released an album and i don't know i feel like i i work plenty hard and i'll take any opportunities that i get and when i mentioned to uh, a colleague of ours franklin franklin anderson i was he's a fan of boy howdy a fan of me and he said are you playing milo music this year and i was like i haven't heard anything yet and that was a couple months beforehand he's like oh they haven't reached out to you and it's like frank don't be surprised like i just moved here i don't have any released material nobody's gonna know a whole lot about me and you can't be he's like oh i know I'll, i know somebody i'll talk to them and and then a little bit later then i got uh, an email about it and well i had to make a submission and then they emailed me back but that was good it, it feels good when they 
can see that people are trying to take it seriously and I'm trying to take it seriously. Frank is, is an amazing person and he's so talented and obviously his insightful and just like, I don't know. I like conversations with Franklin. He's awesome. Yeah. And he, for people that might not be familiar with him, he runs Wisconsinology, which is a, a great Wisconsin history website. And of course he's on instruments is just a, a one of the finest steel players that you'll ever see. Yep. Yeah. Did he played on your album? Oh, I no, wish, wish, right? I wish. No, all the pedal steel is done by boy Hadi himself, but, uh, can't go wrong with, but he was, but either. boy, Howdy was taught how to play pedal steel by Frank Anderson. Fun piece of trivia. The next best thing. So <laughs> one, of, one of the other finest steel players that I know. I noticed that on some of the, the, the demo you had the, the song title was different um, on the, the kickoff song for the album. Uh, I don't know. Let me know was abbreviated to IDK LMK. What was the, was that just to save space? So you just decided it flowed better. I guess I didn't mean to do that. You caught me, you caught me making a little goof there, Andy. Well, which one didn't you mean to do the abbreviations or the full? I feel like I always meant to abbreviate it. <laughs> and for whatever stylistic choice or whatever, like I, it wasn't like, Oh, you gotta be like, let's confuse the old folks or whatever. It's like, no, it's just, I, I don't know. Let me know. That's just, you call the, me old. <laughs> Were you confused, Andy? <laughs> well, kind of. I was like, yeah. why did he change it? <laughs> why did I change it? Well, I don't know. Well, it's, it's people know what those abbreviations mean, and it's just like a like it just looks cool. It's shorthand. It's stylistic. Just a stylistic choice, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, it was a demo again, so it's you know you're kicking around ideas yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the the three songs he put out, IDK, LMN. Uh, keepsakes and what's wrong with me but the the kickoff song was keepsakes wasn't it my first single off the album was keepsakes yep we released a music for video for it like last october or something and this year you could buy the cousin arthur costume pack which comes with a the overall scheme <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's kind of like the the style that that are in the we're in the videos hey we're getting a call right now no way who wants to talk to cousin arthur let's find out you're on live with with cousin arthur what's your question What's your favorite band? <sighs> What's my favorite band? That's a really, really good question. Right now, it changes all the time. You, you, you keep, listen and you live and you hear new bands. And one I like right now is I think they're out of the UK. They're called Jungle. And they make some like disco, soul, dance inspired fun stuff. I like to dance. I like fun music and Jungle, the band is really good. Well, that's a really good question. Thanks for calling in. If you've got a question, it's that easy. I think I know who that was. I, I might have met the gentleman, yeah. <laughs> if you've got a question, you can feel free to give us a call at 920-358-0795. This might be a good time for band reaction. That's where we play a clip of a previous guest and we get your reaction. This question, we've kind of been doing it differently, was from last week's guest, Michael Grabner. Uh, we're going to play his question and we'll see what your reaction is to that question. Bad reaction. Bad reaction. So, Cousin Arthur, um, my question is, what is your biggest uh, horror story from a gig? That's the question. My biggest horror story from a gig. I guess I don't have too long of a career to really pick out a a terrifically terrible time that I've had but my stage banter has hasn't always been that great like I'm a I'm a guy who puts his foot in his mouth the more he talks on stage and I feel like it's a thing I'm obligated to do it's like here's a song let me talk about it for a second um you know sometimes you get just one too many drinks or whatever and it's like I I don't even care what I'm saying anymore so just kind of being unprofessional making a uh making a donkey of myself a bit. I guess I, yeah, no, no big meltdowns, but yeah, I've gotten a, a lot more professional since then. Are you, are you able to kind of absorb silence? Like when you're up there and you get a five or 10 seconds segment that's quiet, are you able to just sit there and 
I'm che- I've gotten a lot like I've always been cheeky and I've leaned into it at, in my stage presence for sure. Like I'll tease people for not clapping. It's like, oh, I'm too cool to clap. Okay, so I like I I neg a little bit. I'm I'm silly and I'm goofy with it. I make sure like this is a, this is a place to uh, let loose a little bit. Don't be so don't be such a wallflower. What's some of the best criticism or critiques that you've received from? audience members after your performances um critiques or like, like critiques feedback maybe feedback i guess feedback, feedback in general i like being i like being affirmed everybody likes hearing <laughs> nice things about themselves you know um i like people saying that i have good posture when i play um it's something i pride myself on get the mic where it needs to be keep your back straight get some nice volume and nice tone from your lungs but through that good posture people are like Man, you pop your butt out. <laughs> you like you look good, and I'm like, stop, quit, quit looking. Um, just telling me I look good, you know, superficial stuff. Nice hair, your costume looks great. Um, but the, one of the biggest pieces that I've heard so far is again Frank Anderson telling me he's really inspired by like old school rock and roll piano, Jerry Lee Lewis stuff like that. Uh, but he's like, turn sideways in your chair when you play. Don't don't sit with your keyboard looking at the audience and like playing like that. Turn sideways. Get your microphone to your side and stuff like that. Like, and I like doing that. It, it feels a little more intimate with the audience. They can see a little more of what you're doing instead of like a reverse image. And you get a little like leg kick action. You can get a little more vibrant with it. I get uh, I get pa- impassioned when I play. I like to move. So when you're playing facing to the side like that, does that affect? I mean, that's kind of you have a little different muscle memory on the, the hands, I'm guessing. Not incredibly different. It's just taken a little adapting because you just get more confident not looking at the keys. And that's the big thing about having the keyboard in front of me like that. It's like you're singing and then your eyes keep going down like that. But now I'm getting better with my grip because of that. And like Frank's point was like it shows confidence. It shows that like that's part of it. But then... If you're not looking at those keys, you're looking at straight at the audience and you're you have it pulled out so they can see what you're doing. It exudes a slightly different energy, but it it just took like a couple of performances to get used to it, but it's kind of what I prefer now. <laughs> and then you just started sticking your butt out more because of the posture. Wearing tighter pants. <laughs> for sure. So that we were before we got the phone call, we were talking about the keepsakes video, yeah. which was released. It's it's you kind of walking around Appleton and kind of having a, a good time <laughs> like i guess you're yeah, and we ca- kicking well, your feet around a lot and we kind of dis like we didn't really know if there was going to be a narrative to it and if it was going to be a narrative being told through the visuals then there was going to be a very loose narrative one that you didn't need to pick up on a lot to understand and it's like me it was reflective of the time it's like me in my little apartment and i'm having a groggy day and I'm just going to go out and do what makes me feel good. I'm going to skate. I'm going to get an ice cream, whatever. But then I end up going back up north to Gresham to my hometown to like my dad's house and stuff. And then I spend like half the day there and stuff. And it's just kind of reflective of the lyrics and stuff because the song is about like community and being appreciative of like people who helped you get to where you are and stuff like that. So I thought I thought that was a cool video. Very well done. And did Boy Howdy push to get that video that one, um, he definitely said, if you're going to release a single, let's do a music video with it because people have that audiovisual connection with the cons- consumption of music media these days. It's like, man, if it's a good song, that's good. But like, it'll keep getting listens if it's got a cool visual with it, too. So, yeah, that was, that was his only mention. And while we're talking about music videos, you recently released one called Through, which stars Boy Howdy himself. Well, a cameo by. Boy yeah, there's himself. the up. He's in the introduction of it for and sure. It's very funny because he he calls you to kind of tighten the tighten the slack there on you, and your ringtone is a Boy Howdy song, which is very funny. <laughs> and then you get Boy Howdy sitting there, kind of telling you that you need to get out and kind of earn your keep. It, yeah, and we're both like exaggerated versions of our character. I'm like his young, skippy, cheeky, like really ambitious big ideas like new artist i'm like yeah i just want to prove myself and then he's this really like yeah but you have a responsibility to to the label and to like you can't it is all fun games you got work to do you got places to be on time and then in a very realistic fashion i'm too busy picking out outfits and then i'm late (laughs) 
Well, it's a, it's a quite a step up from the video before in terms of ambitiousness. <laughs> it's a step sideways. Well, like, you guys are doing like there's a like a plot in this one. And this one was yeah more narrative heavy, and it was more, uh, more people in it. More people in it. Like that's the thing, production value. Like the first one, it has this really crisp like commercial level like. Uh, production to it very very nice and this next one like the camera angles are shakier and the editing is more frantic and stuff and it's just like i said a step sideways because i don't feel like either of them are better than each other it's just like no i wanted to make one that's a little campier a little funny a little like was it where i can show my humor a little more instead of just my face did you have any trouble filming any of that i know you were a lot of a lot of places downtown and you were in a you know dumping stuff out of the back of of your car and did anybody come up to you and say, what are you doing? Or they probably saw a camcorder and kind of knew sort of that you were filming something. I don't think anybody caught an issue with us. We were almost, we were kind of hyper vigilant on like, oh, let's maybe not do that one because we'll get in trouble. Let's maybe not go here because we'll get in trouble. Or like, you know, we were really careful with like the branding of like, oh, don't get like brands and stuff in there unless you have to, you know. Excuse me, goodness. But. Scott was talking about Andy. <laughs> talking about the through video and like, oh being yeah, very yeah, yeah. About if it. anybody giving us guff about it, and nobody really did. Every spot that I went to, I made sure that I either checked with ahead of time or I knew deep down in my heart that it was going to be fine. Because like, with, with the stuff getting dumped out of the trailer, like we are behind a business that we ended up talking to beforehand, and like we're not blocking any ways. And um, the only guff I got when it was the shot outside the PAC where I'm in the cowboy stuff and I'm playing the guitar and, you know, people, people just yell at you, you know, <laughs> like you don't, you need to be doing anything. They'll just like see your boots and be all like, why do you walk like that? <laughs> so like, you don't even need to be doing much to get like harassed. So yeah, I'm like, I'm, I got a tougher skin for that these days for sure. Were you, when you're filming those scenes, like in front of the PAC, were you using, did you have like the song playing on a phone or something? So you at least had something to reference? Yeah, kind of, yeah. for sure. We had our guy, uh, uh, David Ganson, really far away, and then I'm like listening to the song, and then it's up to him to kind of <laughs> synchronize those later because he's not listening to it over there. But like, yeah. Are, are you working on any videos right now, or any? Is there a plan to release another video for an up, another? I'm always song? working on something. We got ideas for at least another music video. I'm, I want to do at least a couple more because like I said with the audio visual connection as soon as you give a music video to something it gives it a little more uh, replayability and traction and I'd maybe want to do two more one with a song that I know people are listening to because I have the insights on that and it's like oh man thank you for releasing a music video for my favorite song on the record thank you but then I also want to give time to give a music video to maybe a song that isn't getting listened to as much and that I want people to listen to how would you describe your style or your genre? My genre, I... Like for viewers that might not be familiar with your music, how sure. would you describe it? Okay, I'll try to put it plainly and say it's like pop music. I call myself a pop star, no matter how I dress, act, or behave, or speak. Um, it's pop music. It's piano-driven pop music because I don't play guitars or anything. Like, string, like I play some bass a little bit, but I'm a piano rocker. I do vocals. Uh, the songs have pop sensibility and format. They, they're, I don't know, their topics don't get, like, too crazy dark. It doesn't get too explicit or anything, at least not yet. But it's, it's pop, rock, indie, um, yeah around there pretty listenable this first album touched a lot of genre corners but like it was, it was reflective of the times i got a lot of interest in a lot of different kinds of music have you started writing more songs for the next release already i know the last one just came out a couple months ago i've been writing songs since i was a little kid like i got piles that <laughs> i like it's just about finding out where to put them and i had to carefully select through these dozens of songs that i've written so far and be like okay what do we you can't make a 20 something song album and expect somebody to listen to it not in all one sitting those albums are great those albums are great i listen to them but i can't expect everybody to appreciate music like that especially in the world where like everything should be under eight minutes every video you watch should be under eight minutes and you know i could go on, on about that too but there's a on the Keepsakes album, there's a song called What's Wrong With Me where you're... Gut Feeling album. Gut Feeling. Thank what did you. I say? Keepsake. Oh, yeah. Gut Feeling. 
Thank you. Uh, you've got like a, a pitch shift going on in the, the vocals. Was that something that, that you thought You're of? You're talking or? about what's wrong with me. Right. What's wrong with me? Oh, yeah, where it's got this really obvious auto-tune. It's the outlier on the record where a lot of these are either like folk, rock, pop, and they all kind of can sit into a pocket. What's wrong with me? We recorded it. Or the, like the demo I showed, Boy Howdy, was... Um, it was a lot more synthetic than the other songs. Like it started with this droney synth line, and obviously I'm trying to do some drum production. I have this really like deep bass kick, and like uh, uh, digital drums for sure. And then he heard that, and he's like, "Okay, I kind of hear the direction you want to go with this." And I was like, "Oh no!" Like with the production of this, he I brought him into my world a little bit, into like a really pop centric like radio hits kind of stuff that I grew up with. And then he's bringing me into this like analog world of like classic vintage country and like and that's kind of Boy Howdy's thing. Is yeah, the and he's lo-fi. Yeah, and he's bringing we're bringing each other into each other's world. So I like immediately wanted to backpedal. I was like, no, no, it doesn't need to be like really synthetic and really like that. Like we can add some acoustic guitar. And he's like, no, 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 <laughs> I want to go more your direction. Let's go this way. And then he's the effects king he just loves his effects so after a while he's like how do we make those everything else is sounding really cool how what do we do with these vocals we got reverb we got the we got the classics but then uh, he, when he showed me that he had the capability for that like auto-tune and stuff i was like he's like okay we can turn it down a little bit like everybody does so you can so you barely notice it and it just makes you sound a little better or we can really crank it and then i was like no i want to sound like i want to sound like that old school version of uh, auto-tune where people are just figuring out how to use it and they're like, oh, I want to sound like a robot, you know? So that was the outlier that I ended up doing. I was like, let's let's do that. Let's make one really weird modernistic one and then see if people gravitate towards it. And a certain certain people do. They're like, make more like that. And uh, But a lot of people, I'm not, I don't know about the majority, but a lot of people are like, that one's not my favorite (laughs) that one's weird i'm here for i'm here for easy i'm here for keepsakes everybody loves keepsakes and it's like i don't know you don't have to like what's wrong with me it was a calculator risk i took because it's like it sounds the way i want it to sound it's fun and cool and it's something i know i'm capable of but then it's like i understand if you don't like it and it's not what you're there for well i'm gonna agree with you it is like it's it is the outlier song on the album it kind of it's different it catches your ear i think a song like that is good because when people get sort of burned out or over listen to the rest of the stuff it, like, at least personally i'll gravitate towards something that's completely different you might find all of a sudden love for a song that you didn't get something you, you know. were skipping earlier right. it's like oh i like these songs in the album maybe i don't listen to just say when all the time because it's down tempo or whatever but then after a while yeah you, you circle back and it's like man i listened to these ones a whole bunch how about i listen to the other half of songs that i didn't listen to as much so it'll find its time how did you come up with the title gut feeling for the album gut feeling i well i initially tossed around the idea of naming the album after one of the songs like finding a titular track but when i sat down to do that i just couldn't decide that one of them really encapsulated the idea of what all of these songs were here to do and after doing that then it's like well if you're not going to do that what do you call it and you look through the lyrical content of a bunch of the songs and it's just Reflective of the times, reflective of what I was feeling, what I was capable of, who I knew, um, like what I was willing to do, stuff like that. So gut feeling is the album itself. It's a love letter to me about like, hey, you told yourself as a little kid that you like writing songs, you like music, you have this interest. Act on that feeling. If it's a feeling that hasn't left you, you owe it to yourself to act on it. You like, don't say, Oh, I'm trying to be a musician. You are a musician, be a musician, make an album, do and like, take it seriously, do it the right, do it the right way, air quotes again, and give it an honest shot. Let people know you're giving it an honest shot. And that, that feeling didn't leave. so, you know, it's about honoring your feelings and chasing your dreams. And that's, that's, I guess what gut feeling is about. You've got like a, a very, cool sort of a art thing going on with your releases as well like that feeling's got a it's almost like a collage effect oh, <laughs> i love that who, artwork who that did my, the artwork my sister my sister painted that 
I gave her early access to a bunch of the stuff that Howdy and I were doing in the studio. Like he gave me the bounces to like listen and then come back next time with ideas. But I gave her those early versions of the song and the track list and the way I wanted her to listen to it. And I said, can you paint me an album artwork? And she did. She painted me these two 8x8 frames. They're just gorgeous. I love them. And then they were further uh, digitally manipulated by Loretta McGee, owner of uh, Amano Print House. And she did the graphic design with the the type, the, the font, and then she digitally put my image in there and stuff. But otherwise, that's a real painting I have in my house. And I like how the petals for the the flower behind you look kind of like wings you noticed that i did i thought that was cool because it's it's a very on the nose metaphor about like growing and just like blooming and becoming more confident and more um secure in what you are and what you do and so any is your sister going to do the artwork for your next album as well because you might like be able to keep a theme going i'm gonna keep collaborating with her she is another one of those people in my life that uh that showed me that led by example and said like hey i am a grown adult person and i never stopped painting she paints pictures and she sells them and she showed me it was all right to just pursue a creative path come hell high water just do it because it makes you feel good never stop doing it that's why it felt really fitting to have her do this first album artwork for me. I was like, I need your help specifically because you helped me get here. Does that she have a favorite song on the album? She would tell me to recommend just say when the only one with a string section on there. Who did the, who did the strings on there? Was it real strings or they are, they are real strings. That is a, a couple violin parts. I think a viola part and Julia a cello Blair. part and a cello. Yeah. All from Julia Blair. That was, I, I mentioned early on, I was like, I had synthetic strings in there. I programmed them myself and I was like, they sound good. They're full and they're, but they're so obviously digital, not real. And anybody who plays instruments could hear that, but anybody who doesn't probably wouldn't care. And we all had that same feeling. But then I was like, how do you, if you can find anybody and he's like, I know somebody, but she's busy. And I'm like, please, please, <laughs> like, I don't know her as well as you do yet. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he asked for her to come by, and she did a really good job, and I'm very appreciative, because that is, it's a favorite of mine, and it's a favorite of my sister's, and it's it sounds so good with her. We've got a call. Uh, you're on with Cousin Arthur. What's your question? Uh, hey, Cousin Arthur and uh, Bob. Uh, I'm calling out from the best coast, so I'm if I missed this uh, earlier in the show, my apologies. But uh, Cousin Arthur, if you could, uh, if you had the opportunity to talk about uh, green lights and blue skies a little bit, uh, I'd love to hear about it. Uh, otherwise, I just want to say I'm proud of you and I'm enjoying the show. West Coast. I have a really strong guess as to who that is. And uh, Green Lights and Blue Skies, thank you for mentioning a future release that isn't actually on the album, uh, brother, Adam, thank you. Um, and it's Andy, Andy McNamara, host of Code Zero Radio. I don't know where you got Bob from, but maybe you're thinking NPR. Bob is the host of uh, the, uh, the other shows on Code Zero. Okay, okay, so he, he's, he's trying, and I love him. My apologies, Andy. It's a compliment, I'll take it. This is a phone call, not a pre-recorded message. <laughs> He's just hearing me talk smack, but um, Green Lights and Blue Skies is, it's just a jam. It's a track I play in a lot of live shows because it's got energy, like through, or it's just ragtime, piano, just fast-paced and fun, and it's about, uh, it's in the same vein, lyrically, as kind of like uh, Keepsakes. It's about, like, driving around with your brother on a nice hot day with the windows down and just, like, doing exactly what you want to do. Does that answer the question? Yeah, that answers the question. That's <laughs> what that song's about, and you guys will hear that song on album two if you're patient, Adam. <laughs> Thank you for the call, Adam. Hang it in there. Love you, man. <laughs> Be safe. Keep it up, you guys. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> that, was, that was nice. Yeah, that's, my, that's my brother. That's cool. So Adam's had some uh, some insight into the 
music from the, from the next album. Yeah, you can find video versions of Green Lights and Blue Skies on either my YouTube or reposted somewhere, you know. So that I leaked it myself. I can only be so mad. So it, we got to hear from your brother, which is awesome. And your sister did artwork. It sounds like this is all. Do you have more than just the, the brother and sister? Uh, th- those are my two oldest siblings. I have uh, a couple other brothers. A couple, so you've got a I have, I, have, I have three more. I have three more brothers. Um, yeah, so four brothers and a sister. You could have started your own family band. I was the only one really playing instruments. Um, that's a lie. Like <laughs> Mason, Mason could drum for sure. He he drums up a storm, but like in a completely different style than I do. I don't make like punk rock or like screamo or anything like that. So he's a little energetic for the stuff I'm trying to get him to do. Not that he's not a good musician before I hurt anybody else's feelings. <laughs> we you know it's it's crazy. We're almost out of time already. But it, I like to talk. Where, where, where can people go if if they want to find out more about Cousin Arthur? You can go into pretty much any search bar, look up Cousin Arthur Music, or just Cousin Arthur. You're going to find a lot of uh, mater- material from that uh, from that cartoon, the Aardvark show. But um, Cousin Arthur Music, you're going to find you can find Cousin Arthur on YouTube. You can find Cousin Arthur Music on Facebook. I am C U Z A R T H U R Cousin Arthur on Instagram. That that C U Z A R T H U R handle. I'm trying to attach it to a bunch of my other stuff. So just remember that name. And I got a Bandcamp. I got you know I'm on all the listening platforms. I'm I'm easy to find. I'm around. Uh, just so we don't make Boy Howdy upset, you've got a show coming up. Is it next week with Boy Howdy? <laughs> yeah, I do. Next week, Friday, Friday at yeah eleven eighteen. That's going to be at nine p.m. I'm jumping up to open for Boy Howdy and the illustrious Paisley Fields out of New York. Where was that show again? That is at Misfits. Misfits Tavern, a great place to see. Misfits Tavern, a great place to see live music in Appleton. So it sounds like a great bill. Three. Great bands to see. And, and I'm so excited to play a bill with another person who would be a self-described piano rocker. I'm excited for everybody to see Paisley Fields, too. Do you feel that pian- something like piano artists will continue to sort of increase with uh, the numbers? Because it seems like music, I don't know if it's still going that way. It's kind of moving away from guitars and more towards keyboards. And, and that's piano. a very different... Uh, that's a very different outlook than I guess I would have because it feels like the portability of guitars always has that on a piano. Like when I was first running around with that organ, it was like I was doing it spitefully. It's like, oh, you're going to carry around your guitar, huh? Well, I'm going to make just the same effort to carry around this stupid organ with another guy all the time. So now that my piano is a lot more portable and stuff and pianos in general, you can just bring a stage piano with you. I would like to think it's going to get more popular, especially with like you know, how popular synthesizer and organ parts are to like fill out uh, a section in a song and stuff. It's, I, I'm hoping that people get that. I'm hoping that there's more pianos out and about for my sake, if not everybody else's. Cousin Arthur, thank you for joining us today on Code thank Zero you. Radio. Thanks and for having me. Look forward to catching a live show. I've definitely enjoyed the videos and enjoyed the debut release, Gut Feeling. Everybody should check it out. Cousin Arthur, live. Today, WCZR Code Zero Radio. Everybody have a good weekend and see you next week. Love to see you. You've been watching and listening to Fox City's Core on WCZR, New Rock for New Radio, Code Zero Radio.